0: Hello and welcome again to another special episode of the We Are CCA podcast. We're talking again about careers. I'm one of the hosts, Jake Ramsey, and I have my sidekick with me, Ian. Say hello, Ian. Hi, everybody. Uh, we have another great guest for you guys lined up today. We're really excited to have this conversation. Um, really been excited about talking about careers from with different industry professionals. And so this is just another one uh, of the, the great you know guests that we've had on. Uh, I'm going to let Carrie introduce herself, who she is, what she does, and all that good stuff. So, Carrie, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Jake. Uh, so, my name is Carrie Maxwell, and I am the Director of Culture and Operations at Candoris. We are a technology integration firm in Anvil, Pennsylvania. We serve the states that touch. Um, Pennsylvania with our data center services, networking, security, and endpoints. We also offer a salesforce.com platform consulting, business, and software development.
0: You said director of culture and operations. operations. Can you talk a little bit about your main responsibilities in that role? That's not, not one I've heard of very often.
1: Yeah, I think we we kind of came up with it <laughs> uh, ourselves.
2: I like um, it a lot. I really yeah. do. Um. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Um, it's just, I, I started out at Candoris about eight years ago doing kind of like the Jill of all trades, um, you know, small companies, you wear lots of hats. Um, that actually really benefited me because I got to absorb different areas of the business and and how things worked and how... Um, people worked with each other in different functional areas. And that kind of led me to just being uh, an advocate for protecting our company's culture and values. And just over the course of time, I think that landed me in the right spot to be the official director of culture. I was already the director of operations, so I was already handling day-to-day um, business you know, operations in the office. Um, but the added culture piece just made an official... Uh, responsibility uh, of taking care of our culture, but also then having a more official role in our hiring, our recruiting, our benefits, which I was already taking care of. But again, it's kind of like formalized things. Um, We realized like we wanted someone every day getting up and thinking about what do I do to protect Candor's culture? Because it's so unique and it's so special to us.
2: Right. I was going to say, so you're you're essentially HR, human resources, but- To me, I mean, I mean, a lot of people are like, "What does HR do?" They don't really quite know. And when you have director of culture right there, I mean, it kind of spells, you know, and it, it sets the tone for what your role is. Um, I also think it kind of helps to kind of bring you know, that into focus.
0: When you when you talk yeah. about when you talk about workplace culture, what are some of the th- What are some of the areas that you focus on?
1: So. Honestly, I feel like it's a it's workplace culture is one of those things that we weren't talking about ten years ago, right? I, when I mm-hmm. looked at my first first job, you know, out of school, it wasn't something that anybody was talking about, and it's really one of the first things that I'm asked about today. So there's been a huge shift in how important culture is to people. Um, one of the things that is so important to us is the just that our culture backs up our values. So I think the two are, you know, linked inextricably. Um, We're just very fortunate here to have come together several years ago and put together a list of core values that we really strive to adhere to every day. They're on our walls, they're on stickers on our laptops, they're stuff we talk about. We um, are constantly keeping them in the forefront of our mind. And I think that one of the cool things, and I think this has a big impact on our culture, is at the end of the day, I do what I do in HR and culture and operations, and someone in the office next to me sells, and someone next to them is a software developer, and we all run in so different directions you know, while we're here doing our job. But at the end of the day, what we are all striving to do as a, as a goal reaching over every aspect of our business. That kind of unifies all, all of us. Um, it's a neat, like, factor that brings us all together under this umbrella of our values, um, our mission of giving back to children in need around the world. And I think that's something that creates just, I don't know, a, a, an aspect of team teamwork, an aspect of camaraderie. Um, a lot of us were here in the very beginning of the company, and whenever you're trying to start something, you know, no matter what it is, I feel like you're kind of in a foxhole, and so you really grow these great relationships with people when you're when you're building something like that, and it's really gratifying. So I think that has a lot to do with the way that our culture feels today, and and that's one of the things I take so seriously about my role is, you know. When you throw a pebble in a pond, the ripples, you know, they start to get further and further apart, you know, the further out they get. And I feel like that's the way I feel about culture in a growing company, you know, the people that kind of started everything can't be the only ones that proliferate that <laughs> as things grow and grow and grow. And so, so that's one of the things we we're just intentional about is making sure that as each person comes in, as they're new, they understand what our culture is about and they have someone to
2: talk to about it. Definitely. And that's also, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of new, the new generation of, of employer, employees, you know, they're not necessarily as like what, what they can do for the company, but they're also concerned about what the company can do for them and what the focus of that is. Not just, I'm gonna come to work and do my job and go home and that's that. They are kind of concerned about, you know, the environment that they're working in and what that means and says. So I think if you're, highlight, you're already highlighting, we care about culture here. I mean, cause they could have, you could have just as easily changed your job title to human resource manager or director of human resource. And that would have been fine. It also would have been just like every other company that's either going under right now or, or looking to change or, you know, but I mean, then you highlight culture that's important, who we are and what we do is important and value there. And so I think that says a lot about Candoris itself.
1: Yeah, if we're, if we're going to say we're obsessed about our culture, then we're going to back it up with some action. And mm-hmm. And really it's where the rubber meets the road is how, how. Much obsessed are you going to be with culture, and how? Where, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak.
0: Yeah, we've, we've done some. We've done some training internally as a um, for diversity and inclusion from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. One of it was you know multi generational communication, and you know, you know, you've got four, um, four, four and a half generations of people working together. For organizations now, it used to be just two or you know two generations uh, years ago, but now it's four or five almost. And um, it's how we communicate to one another is influenced by you know the generation in which we lived and were born. We also you know the what we value and how and and sort of what what sort of things we emphasize and how we and what we value uh, is influenced by that. And you know this newer generation of employee um, is definitely a work life balance is, is is a big thing for them. Um, and that's, I know that's one of the things that we talk about a lot internally as as an organization too, is just, you know, being able to, to, you know, blend all the generations together, communicate effectively. And that can be a challenge sometimes, but if you do it well, you know, everybody sort of has, um, you know, strengths, strengths that they bring to the table. So, um, you talked a little bit about sort of what led you to the role, um, Can you talk a little bit about your sort of career path and what where you've where you've been and where you you know how it's brought you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, sure. It's very non traditional, Um, at least in my mind. Especially as someone that's involved in hiring right now, sometimes I stop and think, how did I get here? Right. (laughs) Um, I actually um, went to a traditional college to be a counselor, and it was about a year and a half in that I knew that was not going to suit my, you know, my needs long-term and that I just wasn't built for it. Um, So I kind of just found myself in the workplace, needing a job, needing, you know, needing to work and, you know, things happen along the way. You get married, you start a family, years go by. Um, How I directly came to Candoris is kind of a funny story. I just happened to have a relationship with someone I had worked with in the past. Um, I was at a different job. I said, Hey, I'm looking around. Could you write me a letter of reference? And he said, Hey, if you just hang in there a little bit, there's going to be an opening at this new company I'm at. And there were like five people working for the company at the time. There were no social media sites. There was no website. There was nothing you could research about. Candoris basically didn't exist out there you know, <laughs> on the internet. Um, So it was pretty risky, but I trusted my friend who who gave me this information and nine months later joined the staff as the uh, second woman ever to be working for the company and hire number 10. Um, That was about eight years ago. We're sitting at 90 employees right now and um, 18 women. So very proud of that just transformation over the years and to have been a part of it.
0: What was that original position that you accepted?
1: It was actually called Operations Maven, and Maven, like when I first was given the title, I was like, "Oh, it sounds like a superhero! Like it sounds like a cape-wearing <laughs> person." Um, but I, as I came to find out, it's just kind of someone that is an expert. Maven just means expert. Um, so I quickly just took on anything that I could, and you know, tried to hold things together in this mm-hmm. company and um, again, just so wonderful to watch something grow out of, you know, what it had been and to see it where it is now. I mean, it's, it's really, really gratifying.
2: Definitely. And also my, I like how I, it highlights the, the importance of your network of the people, you know, and you can rely on those people. And then, and that's Absolutely. really, I mean, a lot of jobs are found that way. You know, somebody who knows somebody, um, and the, the importance of that and kind of bu- building those professional relationships and, trust amongst your co-workers and friends.
1: It's so true. Um, in the early days of Candoris, we grew almost 100% organically. And I think even up till a couple of years ago, we would say our growth was, the majority of our growth was organic. We... We asked anybody that we knew (laughs) that could do a job that we had at the time, you know, please come work for us. I recruited our um, director of finance. Um, Like I said, I was recruited by our current VP of data center. And that just goes on and on and on throughout our company. If you ask somebody how they came here, it's, you know, a strong (laughs) percentage came through someone that, that works here now or a friend or family member. And, you know, when you're small and trying to build things, you're, you're taking a lot of leaps of faith. And one of the things about referrals that's so wonderful is, is, you know, you have, you have trust in somebody, you know, that referral that is, you know, people don't bring us uh, referrals that usually don't work out. People know like the stakes are high and they, you know, they only refer friends that they know are going to be, you know, a sure thing. So, um, but that definitely um, instills some extra trust that you wouldn't have, you know, in a candidate who's normally sight unseen.
2: Right? How do you? I mean, that's probably not. I mean, a lot of your hiring now, I think, is done not necessarily through referrals. You've kind of, you've gotten large enough now where you've you've had to reach out to people beyond just the people you know. Absolutely. But I'm wondering too. Before we get to that, where you're hiring now, or um, and recruiting people, but where where do you start your like your network. I mean, how do you start a network? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. How a high school student can start a network of people?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think even as a high school student, um, you know, and we're talking, you know, 20 plus years for me, but I feel like I even at that time really respected who my parents' professional connections were. And I feel like they knew me enough to, you know, they could, that they could speak for me. So I feel like even as a high school student now, you know, be aware of who your parents, um, or your caregivers, who, who do they work for? And, you know, as you become, you know, aware of who they are and start to get to know them, you know, make yourself known, um, Now it's so different because you can make a LinkedIn profile and you can connect with any number of people that you know or don't know. And I do recommend that as well, Um, just making meaningful connections that way. Um, But beyond that, you know, I was taught never to burn a bridge. And so as I've had career changes over the years, I've made sure they've all been on the best of terms and, you know, made made the changes no matter what. The was going on. I just made the changes about a need that I had, whether it, you know, it was always all about that or not. Um, And that actually came back to help me. Um, I returned to a job that I had left several years Prior to, um, to Candoris, uh, I had returned to that job, um, after four years being away, doing something else and focusing on my family. And I think that just proved to me like, Hey, these relationships are important and keeping in touch with your past, uh, connections professionally, you know, can really come back to benefit you.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, it's interesting. I'm hearing a lot of similarities, uh, in your story to sort of my experience with how I came to CPA and just sort of, um, you know, through a a connect, uh, you know, a personal connection that became a professional connection and uh, joined CCA 10 years ago when we were 2,500 students, maybe at the time. And now we're 18,000. I think at the time I was one of less than 200 employees where we just hired 200 plus people over the summer. I think we're over a thousand employees now. Um, And there is a sense of, of, um, uh, other, you do get a little bit of sense of pride and, and accomplishment where, you, where you're part of an organization that has that kind of growth and experiences that growth over, over that period of time. Um, you feel like you, you, know, you played a little part. It might've been just a small, but you played a l- the little part in it. And I think that's where uh, for a lot of employees, you, know, you want to feel like you bring value to an organization and that the organization recognizes that value that you bring. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting to hear your story a little bit. Cause I'm thinking, yep, yeah, that sounds, I've, I've, I've lived that myself. <laughs> so, Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think especially what you said about feeling like you've brought value, um, we all want that. No matter what generation we represent, we all in some way want to feel like we're making an impact with what we do. The the millennial and zennial generations just have a much better way of expressing that now, um, mm-hmm. as a as a as an Xer, you know, like we didn't set out into our careers to say, oh, I've got to have an amazing company culture. We knew it, you you know, innately, I think we know like we want to belong to something that aligns with what we feel about, you know, in our hearts and we want to work for something that matters long term and and gives us purpose beyond our paycheck. Um, But we just have a harder time, I think, saying, I think because we had work ethic instilled in us from from boomers. Right. So, we're coming into this kind of transition now where it's way more something that's talked about in every interview. Like why do you work there and what keeps you there? Like that's, those are the questions I'm getting from nearly every candidate now.
2: Do do you,
0: um, do you see a difference or a shift in what sort of things or, or questions potential employees ask you or candidates ask you about the organization? I mean, for you know some of the baby boomers, maybe it was, hey, what's the salary? But are you getting questions now like, hey, what's the work culture like? What's the work life balance like? What's my schedule going to be? I, I, Cause that was one of the things that I've I've sort of recognized almost within myself too, is is a little bit of a transition from what does it pay or sort of how how I'm paid is is how my how much I'm paid is how much that organization values me, right? So my compensation is directly related to my value, whereas some of the external benefits and some of those perks. Now I sort of look at that and go, well, those that's how my organization values me, too, is giving me the freedom and flexibility to, you know, work certain a certain range of hours or, you know, those types of things. So are you seeing a shift in that?
1: You know, having come on to the, the role that I have now, I wouldn't say i am seeing a shift, um, but I would say from coming from the candidate side to coming to stepping behind the curtain a little bit mm-hmm. um, and seeing what people ask, um, it's definitely questions I wouldn't have asked myself. I wouldn't have asked, is there a gym membership? Is, you know, what's the, um, what are the opportunities to give back to my community um, all the things you said about work-life balance, those are all tops, you know, on the list. Um, and again, those are things I feel like other generations value. They just may not have made it to the top of the list. Yeah. And I think one of the important things that you said, and absolutely in what I do, seeing what benefits we put together as a company, what benefits we feel will make an impact, what benefits we feel people will enjoy and will get use of, they all do come with a cost. Um, I feel like it's the generations that are coming into the workforce now that have a better understanding, at least um, they, they seem to be able to put words to it, that they understand it isn't all about the number that you're going to pay me for my work. It's about this entire compensation package. And, and honestly, sometimes they don't even really care a lot about medical and health benefits and things like that. Things that are important to people more my age, people that have families, you know, um, it's more to them about, I would call it more the soft benefits. Um, the What's it like on the job? What's the work-life balance? What's the culture like? What's the team like? What's the day in the life look like? Um, more about what their life will be like on the job.
2: The hiring you're doing now. I mean, I know we had talked in a past conversation that maybe you're you're switching away from, you must have a degree into more looking at skills. Can you talk about how, about that, you know, kind of that change in kind of thought process or is that a really a hard change or is that kind of like a a slow progression? Like,
1: Yeah, it's been more gradual. I think we started out just with the handed down mentality that a four-year degree was just standard. I think you you write one job description and then you kind of write the rest of them, you know, reflective of that first one. And I say that as someone coming into the position with not a lot of HR background. So really like figuring it all out as I go along, you know, these eight years. Um, but fast forward to the last couple of years, I think just the talent that we have, acquired and the people that we've drawn to to us, they have opened our eyes to what's possible. And I think they've helped us see, okay, um, you know, not a traditional degree here. Um, I'm proudly one of them. But even in other positions, um, you know, coming without a traditional degree and seeing their ability to assimilate into the role and, you know, and take on all of the challenges, I think has has helped us understand what we're really looking for out there. And and so just through all of these events, the hiring, um, just the shift in education in the world, um, definitely COVID, um, you know, lots of these different factors have led us to this place where for a lot of positions, we're saying work experience, um, experience of some sort, is as valuable uh, can be even more valuable depending on what the role actually is and requires Um, we're even saying you know i think first first and foremost in my role i you know i'm the first person that talks to our candidates and that's because culture fit is is important number one right and we want to make sure that someone will fit in our culture not only because we want it to feel good for them um, but we know you know we're going to now place them into the rest of our team that we've taken the care to hand select. And we know that it's kind of like someone's not really a great fit with our culture. It's, I describe it as like a rock in your shoe that, you know, you like, you know, it's there, you know, but kind of what are you going to do about it? Um, so, you know, we want that to be, you know, beneficial mutually. So, so we hand select by, talking about culture first, making sure someone's a culture fit and making sure someone understands how unique it is here before we move on to criteria. And I think through, you know, through that process, we've realized, you know, someone that has the aptitude to learn the job, you know, that's something you can't teach. We can't learn it in, you know, a four-year setting. <laughs> um, so so that is like very high on the list of, of um, when we're looking at criteria for someone's, their aptitude and attitude, teachability, trainability, um, so important. Um, but after that, I think uh, depending on the technical role, if, if we want to talk technical roles, um, we're, we're seeing more entry level positions come without uh, a degree. Some coming with an associate's degree, or some coming right out of high school into some other work setting, getting some work experience there, and then coming to Candoris.
2: What sort of experience? I mean, where would you where would you suggest people go to learn those the skills that you'd be looking for at a position at Candoris? That's a great question. I mean, I guess that depends on the actual job. That you, you know the jobs that are that you have available there, but I mean, does it?
0: Can you give us an example of maybe um, a recent position that you filled or one that you have open now, and sort of some of the things that you're looking for?
1: Yes, uh, recently we added to our help desk team. So we offer as um, as a company we offer services to other companies who can't maybe can't or don't want to afford to put together a team of all the different specialties in IT that you could possibly need, um, you know, to address all of the challenges that you might have from endpoints to networking security and storage, et cetera. So we've got um, a team that, just will handle client requests of that nature um, that, you know, they just hire us for those kind of needs. So, you know, so as we add to that team, um, we'll often bring in someone that is entry level. So our newest uh, hire on that team started a week ago and uh, came with just a small amount of college, uh, took a break from college, kind of was trying to figure out is it really necessary for me to go back to this four year university? And what is that going to get me when I when I'm out? Besides debt, um, they also uh, did some work privately uh, through their they had their own little business and fixed family members' laptops and printers and kind of dabbled in some enough of that and kind of um, work to get their hands on enough to show us they had the aptitude
0: to be taught here, and
1: we hired them easy, easy decision.
0: So one of the things I think that people as students, like, you know, we're advising students on career paths and those types of things. And I think that, you know, the, the path a lot of times is just as important as the destination, right? You want to get to a certain career uh, in a certain career area or industry area. Um, But the, the path to get there is really important. Because as, as you follow along that path, you're developing skills. You're, you're adding tools to your toolbox the whole way. And it's things that you're taking with you and developing as you go along. What, what are Can you give us some examples of, of things you've seen on a resume and you've had to sort of read between the lines as far as, okay, they did this. It's, it's not exactly what this position requires, but I know that the skill set's there because of that task. Like a, a read between the lines situation. I'm putting you on the spot, aren't I?
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: I think that's not um, obvious to people sometimes. They don't, yeah. like, and it, and it stops them from wanting to apply for a job because they don't go, they look at that and go, oh, I don't have that kind of experience. But if they looked back through their resume, they could find, Oh no, I did that here. Oh, I did. You know, I have some of that. Here. I've, I've got the, I've got the skill from a previous experience. It doesn't have any, I'm, it's in a completely different industry, but I've got it. Like customer service, right? An example might be you're looking for a customer service rep to answer the phones and deal with clients and things like that. Somebody who's been a hostess or a waitress or, you know, worked uh, at a restaurant that's customer service all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody who's doing that over three or four years develops a really good sense of how to serve the customer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I have a couple of things in mind. I mean, I'm a, I'm an example, um, but I've talked enough, I think about my path here. Um, My actually a member of my department um, came from social work. And so when I first was kind of looking at what all that she's accomplished, you know, just in a couple of years out of, out of school. So she majored in social work and, you know, not that I was looking for um, a degree, but I thought, yeah, someone that can do that and it was working um, with the elderly. So someone that has a lot of patience, someone that's very understanding, uh, someone that's very flexible. Um, yeah. I, we definitely will see that come through in the resume. And I think it's, it's hard to put on paper, what you don't realize about yourself. So those, in, those early interviews are so important because we're getting to hear someone say what they've done in their past and what they loved about it and why they would leave. And then we get a little bit of time after that to kind of think about it. Like, okay, how could that be applicable here? How could that life experience on the job be applicable versus what they actually did functionally? And yeah, we've got enough people here you know not everybody comes from a tech background I'm one of them Um, but I think you know not this isn't really the answer to your question but I feel like it's the it's like the melting pot of all kinds of different backgrounds that make it a great diverse like I said a melting pot of ideas and work experience in life um, and it all comes together, you know, here in a really unique way. But I think that you're right. It's important to consider what we've learned through other roles that may not completely apply. And I hope that helps people understand that you don't have to apply for something because you tick all the boxes on the job posting. Um, lots of t- I get lots of resumes from people that aren't a real fit from the you know from the get go. Um, But the more you kind of uncover, there are some unique situations where someone will apply for something that it didn't seem, you know, logical at first. But like you said, through life experience and other things that they've gained, um, it did work out.
2: Okay, Transferable skills. I mean, that's really that's that's the mainstay of everything is really highlighting that for because, I mean, you you're looking through resumes and. Obviously, you know, you're dedicating some good time. You're probably reading most of the resumes that come through your desk. Um, But I'm also thinking you're also a 90 person company. You look at, you know, CCA with over a thousand employees right now. You know, I'm sure, I mean, hopefully all resumes get looked at, but if a computer, if they're going through a computer first, some of those resumes won't be ever seen. Um, And I think that's a bit of a shame because you know, that person could have been perfect, but just didn't highlight the transferable skills well enough. And a computer doesn't care. They're not, they're just looking for specific things that whatever you, whatever the programmer tells them to do, that's what it's going to find. Um, but I think that highlights maybe the importance of maybe not looking at the big, large companies that are out there. If you're new or looking to maybe utilize your skills in a different way than they were actually went to school for, you know, obviously social work, HR, you know, the, There's a lot of overlap there, but that's not necessarily intuitive. Um, But when you look at a smaller company, um, you know, you're going to get a little bit more hands-on time and have people look at you more creatively and kind of go, well, you know what, all of those skills are what I'm looking for in a person. I can teach them the rest of the skills that they don't have. Uh, And I think that that's something that, I mean, the students, especially, they're going to go, you know, oh, I'm going to go work at Comcast. Well, Comcast is a huge, huge company um, and you may get lost in that shuffle. Um, but you go look for a smaller company on um, that, you might get, you might not get as lost in that shuffle.
1: Yeah, we're fortunate to have a collaborative process here with, with many different processes that we have, but our HR and our hiring process is definitely collaborative. So, you know, we will get, it's not uncommon to have hundreds of resumes for one posting. So that's why every single, Job, you know, or every single submission can't be looked at. Um, it first impressions are important, and I think you know you guys do a great job of teaching that. And that's a, that's that's just it's important when you're putting what you have about yourself, what you've learned, what you've experienced, what you hope to do on paper. It's a it's no small challenge right there because you want to come off the page and you want to be seen and you want to be given that chance. Um, one thing that will help people kind of rise above the din, so to speak, of the hundreds of applicants that will come through for uh, one of our more popular postings is a a cover letter explaining that they've come to our page and that they identify and appreciate some of the things they've read. They um, have read about our values or our community service, and they can appreciate those aspects of us um, or they just really appreciate that we are cutting edge in some technology areas mm-hmm. you know that's as important too. Um, everybody kind of aligns with, find something that they align with um, you know when they come to look at our media um, but that really helps someone stand out when they take that extra effort and that extra time to address me or another member of the hiring team in that way um following up is also really important um, you know we're s- we're still in the day where not everything delivers there's still spam filters and things that happen. Um, phone calls are you know another way that really important especially in, in a market where lots of people are applying for jobs
0: I had someone tell me I had someone tell me years ago and I haven't applied for a job well outside of c c a haven't applied for a job in a in a long time, but somebody told me while back about, you know, looking at my resume and, you know, well, do you send the same resume over and over? Are you just putting, you know, you just attaching the same thing over and over to the, the companies, regardless of position. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a resume and he's like, no, look at the job description, look at what it's asking for, and then figure out how, what you did matches that description and highlight those things. Um, in your cover letter, make sure that if they're looking for somebody who's hardworking and dependable, that you say, "I've developed hard, you know, I have a good work ethic and I'm dependable." Like, make sure that you're making the connection between what they're asking for and what you're highlighting on your resume. So, if you are applying for a position, you know, uh, at a, you know, say you're applying for a position at a restaurant, you're not going to put the same thing as if you're applying for, you know, for a position at your at an IT company. It's going to be different. Now the the skills may be highlighted differently, and the, and the connection may be, but you can still make the connection between the two different organizations. So, that that made a big difference for me. I realized, like, oh, I'm going about this all wrong. I'm just, hey, it's a resume. My you know my experience speaks for itself, but I I need to make the connection to what you're asking for as an employer, and uh, that really went a long way uh, and has really helped me sort of. You know, if I apply for something, it, my, my resume is something I comb through in painfully, painful detail, making sure that I'm making connections.
1: I definitely see um, several different versions, or at least the existence of, of versions coming through. Um, uh, you know, some of the Folks that are applying here, you know, obviously they're not coming right out of school and they've got, you know, 10 plus years of employment history to share. And uh, just from the naming convention of their file, I can see it's Mary Smith, customer service, <laughs> Mary mm-hmm. Smith, sales leader. Um, but I think that's wise, right? To, to pull out what's important. Um, conversely, when someone applies for one of our senior technical positions, they, produce more of a CV. And I've seen them be 10 pages. Um, nobody really has the time to read through all of that, but it's all really important, right? Those are certifications and skills that that person has taken hours and hours of a lot of time, their own time to to cultivate and, and to pass those exams. And so it's all important but bringing all the really most important bullets up to the top is really what's gonna catch the eye of of a recruiter or HR manager.
2: I'm just gonna say, I mean, you probably, I mean, if you're getting hundreds and hundreds of resumes and you're doing other things as well during your day, you're not really spending all that much time. I know when I was advising people on, you know, submitting applications, you know, maybe keep it to one page, you know, and keep it nice and snappy to the point um and highlight the important things. And yes, your 20 years worth of work history before, great. But what's what's the what's the hiring manager, you know, actually going to be able to have the time to look through and kind of go, do I bring this person in for an interview or not? Because that's ultimately why you're looking at the resume. You're not going to hire somebody based off of the resume. You're going to hire them based off of the interview that you do after you looked at the resume.
1: Absolutely. But I will tell you when you're dealing with, you know, a stack of, you know, 30, 40, 50 resumes that, you know, there's things that will kind of draw your eye and draw your attention. And those are the ones that sometimes get your time where, you know, a lot of other ones, if they're many pages and not really organized, it's easy to be like, I really need someone that can organize documents. And if their resume isn't organized, well, I I can keep moving here.
0: And so can you, how about the sort of, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure what, how well we're doing on time here, but to sort of maybe bring this full circle for our students. And as they start to think about building resumes, maybe some of them are going straight to career after they graduate, what are some of the things that, that, that sort of catch your eye in a resume or stand out to you that maybe can be replicated by other people?
1: Mm. It's going to sound really strange, but non-traditional formatting, uh, is definitely an eye catcher. Cause again, you're opening document after document after document, um, PDF everything, because if you spell something wrong, you send it to me in word. I'm going to see that like right, right away. Yeah. Um, again, like your name should be bold and out there. Like it should be something that catches the eye right away. Um, you can buy actually templates on Etsy and other different, you know, sites that will help you make something very different from what the typical word processing programs offer. And I, I don't think it can hurt to go that tiny little extra step along with the other ones, um, writing a covered letter, calling to see that it was received. And, you know, when someone gives me a phone call, like, I have, I'm writing that down and making sure I pull that up. Um, they're definitely going to get, you know, looked at.
2: I'm also wondering about like after the interview, I mean, I would always send, you know, send a handwritten thank you note. Thank you for interviewing. I still think that's important, but is the handwritten part important or would an email suffice just as much or does that, maybe that's just a personal preference.
1: Yeah, I was also raised to send a thank you note as well, a handwritten note. Um, But I think in this day and age, if you've already been communicating with somebody, um, a hiring manager or a recruiter, um, it's important to send any kind of follow-up. If it's digital, that's great. That shows that you, you know, just took a minute to sit down and kind of regurgitate a little bit about what you talked about. I think it's important to say more than just thank you for your time today. I think it's important to say, I appreciated that you shared this with me. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing back from you about this question, Um, you know, show that you're not just using the same template over and over. Um, But, you know, again, email is fine. Um, It's something I note um, in my records when somebody um, takes the time to follow up because not everyone does.
2: No, no, not everybody does. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, why was that important? It's like, well, you get, it keeps you, you keep clearly people, keep notice of that. They notice it. Um, and again, anything that helps you stand apart helps you get the job.
0: Yeah. Well, I, think, yeah well, I think that probably goes, I mean, the, the thank you and sort of follow-up is important from, for anybody, for anything really. I mean, you know, we have students that do informational interviews where they talk to industry professionals about their career and try to learn more. And I always tell the students, hey, make sure that you send an email back to this person saying thank you. You know, they took some time out of their personal day to come in, um, and sometimes even during their workday uh, to come in and real and to talk to you about what they do, and and so that you can it can benefit you. It doesn't really benefit them; it benefits you. So make sure that you're reaching out and saying thank you. Um, and, I, and I think that's part of that bridge building and networking too. I mean. You never know if the, you know, if an informational interview goes really well, it could be a job shadow, uh, you know, door open. It could be an internship that gets opened up um, as a result of that. You just never know. So make sure that, you know, following up and saying thank you, having, you know, being gracious for that opportunity is important, I think, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and, and depending on the position that you're applying for, that could be indicative of how well you do in that role, especially if you're applying for something customer service related or pretty much any any person that um, walks through our doors, they have to have great follow-up skills because inevitably they're going to be asked a question by a customer that they won't have the answer to right this minute. But rather than keep that customer waiting, right, you know, people just want to hear something like, are you out there? (laughs) Do you hear me? Um, So those are just great ways to get in the habit. Uh, When you're in the professional world, email is how we communicate. So get comfortable with being in your email, check it frequently. You know, I tell college kids this all the time, like when you leave, email is going to be kind of how your day is run, depending on what you do. But if you're in a knowledge worker, that's where it is. Um, So be comfortable with it and be comfortable with replying that, you know, you don't have an answer right now, but you're, you know, you'll get back to them or, or just the thank you and, you know, just keeping things warm.
2: Definitely. I know for me, if it's not in my, not on my calendar and outlook, it, it, it doesn't happen because (laughs) I did, you have to run your life somehow. And outlook seems to work it for me because I'm sitting at my computer all day and it can just tell me, Oh, you have a meeting in 15 minutes. Thank you. Outlook. Yeah.
1: And I wonder how, I wonder how much um, our kids are being prepared for that these days. Like we didn't, we didn't come through, you know, our, um, we didn't come through high school with this same kind of platforms that are available now. Right. We didn't really have email and I'm really dating myself. Um, but we didn't, you know, we didn't have email and we didn't have smartphones and now it's so different, you know, um, So, and that's how everyone communicates. So I think just underscoring the importance, you know, to the students about professionalism and email. um, That's another thing we haven't really talked about, but professionalism and how you come across, um, it isn't texting. (laughs) You might as well be printing that email out and mailing it, right? Like that's kind of the way you should treat the way you, you address an email.
0: Lots of things, lots of things to consider. It's a, I think too, with the, you know, the situation that we're in right now with a lot of businesses turning to remote, uh, remote work and home, you know, home work life and those types of things. um, I think companies are starting to figure out that a lot of stuff can be done remotely. And so I think it broadens the talent pool. And, you know, our, you know, the students who are graduating today and the students that are graduating five years from now are going to be competing with a global marketplace and not necessarily just a, you know, a local talent pool. It's going to be globally. And you have to be ready to distinguish yourself within a global setting, not just, you know, within a local talent pool that a company can, you know, pull from. It's going to be global. Um, Definitely something that we as educators need to make sure that we're uh, preparing students for as well so um, a lot of the things that you talked about today will really go a long way I think they're those are transferable no matter who they're uh, what what sort of the market looks like when they're applying for jobs in the future so really appreciate all of the, the valuable information today um, we, we say this to a lot of our guests we may have to have you back to, for part two because uh, there's just there's just so much to uncover uh, and it's it's You know, so there might be second rounds uh, for a lot of these podcasts and you're definitely uh, probably going to be on that list. So, Carrie, we just really appreciate the time to come in and and talk a little bit, share some
2: information.
1: It was my pleasure, Jake and Ian. I hope I've been helpful and uh, look forward to speaking again in the future.
2: Very helpful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Carrie.